Good morning. Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church today as we celebrate the first Sunday in Lent. And today in our gospel lesson, we'll see especially um, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. And that will tie in very well with the affirmation of baptism that we have for Gideon Johansson this morning. I invite you to your look at your worship folder, and the entire service will be outlined for you there. We'll begin with our opening hymn number 224, and after our opening hymn, we'll continue in the very front portion of your red hymnal on page 12. And my final request is that if you are a visitor with us today, please check out the purple sheet that is in your pew rack to familiarize yourself with our communion practice. God bless your worship. direct your attention to the very front portion of your red hymnal to page 12. 
And on page 12, you'll find the rite for holy baptism. Little Gideon was baptized back in December on the day of his birth, but today is the public affirmation of his baptism. And we continue on page 12 in the very front portion of your Red Hymnal. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Our Savior, Jesus Christ, commanded baptism when he said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All of us are born into this world with a deep need for baptism. From our parents, we inherit a sinful nature. We are without true fear of God and true faith in God and are condemned to eternal death. But Jesus took away our sin by giving his life on the cross. At our baptism, he clothes us with the robe of his righteousness and gives us new life. Our sinful nature need not control us any longer. We recall what baptism means for our daily lives as we join in speaking these words. Baptism means that the sinful nature in us should be drowned by daily sorrow and repentance, and that all its evil deeds and desires be put to death. It also means that a new person should daily arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. As baptized children of God, we join to confess our sins. Holy and merciful Father, I confess that I am by nature sinful, and that I have disobeyed you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have done what is evil, and failed to do what is good. For this I deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. But I am truly sorry for my sins, and trusting in my Savior Jesus Christ, I pray. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The good news. That God, our Heavenly Father, has been merciful to us, and has given His only Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Therefore, as a called servant of Christ, and by his authority, I forgive you all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The parents and child and sponsors are invited forward. Trusting in his promise, you have brought this child to be baptized. Jesus told us, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. It is in baptism that God grants the new life of forgiveness, joy, and peace to little children. By the power of God's word, this gracious water of life washes away sin, delivers from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe. Gideon Douglas Johansson was baptized on December 19th at Mayo Clinic Hospital in Rochester, about 15 minutes after his birth. Gideon, the Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has forgiven all your sins. By your baptism, you are born again, and made a dear child of your Father in heaven. May God strengthen you to live in your baptismal grace all the days of your life. Peace be with you. 
The congregation is invited to please stand. Brothers and sisters in Christ, our Lord commands that we teach his precious truths to all who are baptized. Christian love therefore urges all of us, especially parents and sponsors, to assist in whatever manner possible, so that Gideon remains a child of God until death. If you are willing to carry out this responsibility, then answer, Yes, as God gives me strength. Let us pray. Merciful Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing of baptism by which you offer and grant the forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Help us to regard our baptism as the robe of righteousness we are to wear all the days of our life. Look with special favor on Gideon and grant him a rich measure of your spirit so that he may grow in faith and godly living. Make us willing to carry out our responsibilities to those who have been baptized so that all of us may finally come to the blessed joy of heaven through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may return to your seats. The congregation may be seated. And we bow our heads to pray. Lord, our strength, the battle of good and evil rages within and around us and our ancient foe tempts us with his deceits and empty promises. Keep us steadfast in your word, and when we fall, raise us up again, and restore us through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. reading, our Old Testament reading from Genesis chapter 22. What do you love so much that it would be impossible to willingly and gladly give up if the Lord required? The time of Lent is a call to serious struggle against sin, including the idolatry of loving anyone or anything more than God. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and called to him, Abraham, Abraham answered, I am here. God said, Now take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains there, the one to which I direct you. Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, along with Isaac, his son. Abraham split the wood for the burnt offering, then he set out to go to the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and loaded it on Isaac, his son. He took the fire pot and the knife in his hand. The two of them went on together. Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father, he said, I am here, my son. He said, Here are the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them went out together. 
They came to the place that God had told him about. Abraham built an altar there. He arranged the wood, tied up Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. The angel of the Lord called from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham said, I am here. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Abraham looked around and saw that behind him there was a ram caught from the thicket by its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. So it is said to this day, On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, I have sworn by myself, declares the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will bless you greatly, and I will multiply your descendants greatly, like the stars of the sky and like the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the city gates of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. This is the word of our God. I invite you to turn one more page in your service folder, where you will find our psalm for today, Psalm 3.
our second reading from Romans chapter 8. Lent proves the love of God. God gave his own son for us all. With this truth planted in our hearts, God gives us perseverance in all things. Paul writes, What then will we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Indeed, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also graciously give us all things along with him? Who will bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, who died and more than that was raised to life, is the one who is at God's right hand and who is also interceding for us. What will separate us from the love of Christ? Will trouble or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor rulers, neither things present nor things to come, nor powerful forces, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our theme verse is printed for you there. It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the Gospel. Our Gospel reading from Mark chapter 1. In his grace... Sorry, that's the wrong one. Mark chapter 1. We will discuss this in our sermon today. The Spirit immediately sent Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels were serving him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. The time is fulfilled, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Our next hymn, number 201.
dear fellow redeemer. We briefly consider our gospel lesson from the Gospel of Mark. The gospel lesson always appointed for the first Sunday in the season of Lent, the temptation of Jesus. But we're not going to start with Jesus. We're going to start with that other guy that we read about, that we heard about, with that story that seems so stark and so utterly horrifying. We wonder how. How could this be included in the Word of God, and why would we let such a reading stand on a day when we baptize or affirm the baptism of a little baby? God had made Abraham wait. 25 years. Really, he made him wait 100 years because he was 100 years when Isaac was born, but 25 years had passed from when God had said, you would have a son. Abraham looked at his wife, his wife who was also pulling Social Security, and kind of chuckled. Maybe he said, how? Well, God can do it. 25 years later, they were cuddling a little baby. After all that waiting, and all that wondering, and all that worrying. And 25 years after that, God says, take your son, your only son, and just so that I'm specific here, take your son Isaac is his name, the one that you had prayed for and waited for, the one through whom the world would be blessed through the birth of a Savior. Take that one, not Ishmael, take your son Isaac, And the wording that God uses is for a child between age 12 and age 30. Take him to a distant mountain and offer him as a burnt offering. And the wording that God uses there makes it very clear that this wasn't some symbolic ritual sacrifice like some of the later Jewish sacrifices, just presenting him before the Lord and then receiving him back. Burnt offering. Think of um, think of when you're grilling in the summertime and the hamburger falls through the, the slats of the grill and it's beyond rescue and you look at it afterward and it's this burnt up unrecognizable mess. The word that God uses for this son of promise that that Abraham had to wait a hundred years for. The son of promise through whom the Savior would be born, through whom the world would be redeemed. And the word that God uses is burnt offering, like burnt up completely. Done. So Abraham gets up the next morning, splits the wood and says, we got to set up, we got to get there. And we hear from the book of Hebrews, We hear from the book of Hebrews that he figures, he knows, God can raise the dead, and so God will be able to bring my son back. This is the son. God can't give me another one, but God will raise this one back from death. And if God says he wants this son back, God is good. God has promised. And God will be faithful to himself and his promise. And the lingering question in the background, among all the questions that we might have, the questions of, can God do this? The question of, how will God do this? Fast forward 2,000 years. 
Mark has a very compressed account for us. He devotes two verses to what Matthew spends 12 verses on. Jesus in the wilderness. <laughs> Just look at what he writes. Mark writes, verse 13, He was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels were serving him all of nearly a month and a half. Compressed into one verse. Because Mark has a very quick gospel that wants to get on from point to point to point to point. And if you don't know Jesus, start with the gospel of Mark. Because you can't miss the action of our Savior as he proceeds to the cross that he knows is coming. But if we glanced ever so briefly at the gospel of Matthew, and Matthew unfolds the question for us, could God really do what he says? Here is Jesus being tempted by Satan, and Satan laces the question as, as satirically as he can, as cynically, if you are the Son of God. Come on. We know you are. Well, you say you are, but why don't you prove it, God? What could you do to prove it? You're hungry. Well, you shouldn't have to go hungry. Make some bread. You trust your Lord, right? Why hasn't he given you more? Then just bow down and worship me, and all this will be yours. And it would be the height of folly to look at the temptation of Jesus as, as a blueprint. As a blueprint for merely how we deal with temptation. Without first seeing Christ as our substitute. Because I present to you and I pose to you the same question. The same question, how does God work in our lives? And when Satan says, well, did God really say? Or when Satan presents some temptation, whether to, to arrogance and pride, or whether to, to greed or lust, you name it. Whether to stabbing somebody in the back, either boldly or ever so subtly, when Satan presents the temptation, it doesn't take a whole world of riches before we jump at the opportunity, right? Right? I'm the only one that has had that experience. How could Jesus do this? Abraham goes to sacrifice his son, his only son Isaac, the one who he, who, whom he loves the one through whom God would bless the world. And Jesus, the Son of God, the physical descendant of Isaac, is there, and all Satan can say is, prove it. Prove it. If you are the Son of God, do it. And you and me. Observers from a distance of millennia, 4,000 years back to Abraham, 2,000 years back to Christ, and recognizing that, well, what God says here applies and hits so close to home. It hits right here. Because what God says to Abraham, do you love anything more than me? That you would not, you love something so much that you wouldn't gladly and willingly and lovingly give it up just like that. How many of us would sacrifice our, our reputation our standing in the community. 
How many of us would sacrifice our 401k or 403b and say, oh, sure, I don't need that. And even as our, as our hymn saying, hate, steal, or kill, do what they may, they'll all may be gone. You might recall the older translation, and take what they will, home, wife, children, spouse. What would be so near and dear that you would not give it up? For there you have found your idol. There you have found the point, the example, perhaps, of many, of the unholiness that resides within, the sinfulness, the the separation from God, the God who desires and demands an entire heart, a pure heart that serves him and loves him only and above all things, and yet this heart is the problem, right? This constant idol factory that says, well, but God gave me these blessings. I should really treasure them. Yes, but they are not your God. And they are not whom we serve. And how, how can God do the impossible to set things straight? What shall we do to get unstuck? Shall we just look to this Jesus who preaches the kingdom of God and look to him for for advice for a set of principles to follow, for more encouragement to continue dedicating our lives to God. Keep it up. You'll get there one day. Kind of like a ladder. Just keep working and you'll, you'll improve. If you read your Bible enough, you will improve. And you'll start to squash the vices that assail you. And you'll start to build up the virtues that God demands. And as appealing as that may be, the answer of our holy and just God still is be holy. Love perfectly. Well, time out, time out. Okay, 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 I get that. But for all the, the bad things I do, how about I, I do something good to balance it out? I'll right my wrongs. Sure, I stole a candy bar from, from the gas station, but then I helped, helped an elderly woman across the street so that she didn't slip and fall, right? That's got to count for something. Comparing ourselves to ourselves still doesn't work. The standard of judgment is not how I feel about myself today or how I feel about my own progress and how I feel about the scales being set straight through my own good deeds. The standard of judgment is still God's holiness. How could Jesus preach the gospel of the kingdom if you were not holy. The last vestige, or perhaps the second last refuge of the sinful nature. Well, Pastor, I get it, I get it. I, I'm not the best person, but I do my best. And, and I do the best with what God has given to me, and, you know, I don't always have a whole lot to work with, but I'm not as bad as that guy. I've, I've never made the paper, I haven't been on the front page, for heaven's sakes. And people recognize that I've got a good reputation and look at what I've built. Surely that's got to count for something. I'm not as bad as, as him. Remember how that person hurt me and, and how I didn't take the opportunity to hurt them back? Comparing ourselves to one another, yeah. We'll see a, a comparison and a difference. We'll still fall short because God's law condemns us both. The final refuge of the sinful mind 
the sinful heart that wants to cling to its idolatries, cling to this image of myself that I'm not as bad as God says I am, that clings to the image of a little baby, 15 minutes old in this, in this world, breathing air, 15 minutes. How could this little baby be sinful and condemned, born in sin and guilty of sin? The last vestige of the sinful rebuke to God, it's just not think about it. Let's get so distracted by, by my recreation and my pleasure and my use of all that God has entrusted to me, and let me get so wrapped up in, in all the, the cuddly little booties and the, the baby gifts and the baby euphoria to forget about what God's Word actually says. Or to forget about what my heart actually convicts me of. Because the thing is, no matter how hard we try, whether you try to whether you try to drown it with alcohol, flush it away with prescriptions, forget about it as you go on vacation, and so immerse yourself in, in work or pleasure, the conscience still speaks up, and we cannot plug that well that spurts forth the oil of sin from our hearts. We stand before God, dripping. Dripping. Idolatry within, exposing itself in thought, word, and deed without. And God says, I've got a plan. I'll send my son. And the plan of sending his son is so so subtle and so utterly resistible that even the devil himself says, if you really are the son of God, okay, I, I've heard, I heard the angels sing, and I watched you grow up, but boy, oh boy, you just look like a normal human being. If you are the son of God, then do something. Make some bread. Bow down to me. Jump down from the top of the temple, and surely you know the word of God. God will send his angels to protect you. Satan, that guy who, who definitely knows how to misuse and abuse the word of God, to, ch to tell a, a half-truth, to rob the comfort from the Christian, to point them back to themselves with the half-truth of try harder. And what is Jesus' answer? No, no, no. Forty days, plus the temptation afterward, plus the rest of his life, and the very first thing that he does after coming out of that desert and facing down Satan face to face, the very first thing that he does is preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Beautiful. Right? Well, you have to understand that word gospel. Because the gospel is really just the, our English word for good news. That's how it puts it in the Greek, the good news. And it's not good news if it's the same thing that we've tried all along. Because the same thing that we've tried all along has been broken time and time and time again. The encouragement to do better still is not holiness. The encouragement to make amends wherever possible still does not take away the sin and create perfection. The 
the image of comparing ourselves to somebody else who is worse than us. Sure, it might provide a little temporal comfort, but it's still not gospel. It's pointing that finger of help back to me. And God's word says that every person descended from Adam and Eve has a heart that spurts forth the oil of sin. How shall we be clean? We can't forget it. Because even if we do forget about our standing before God and our guilt before Him, real, actual guilt for all of our lives, one day we know that death knell of God's law comes crashing down like a gavel on our lives. The wages of sin is death. But how does Paul conclude that final verse of Romans chapter 6, his great baptism chapter? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, when, when Jesus goes out into the desert to be tempted by Satan, he's not, he's not going there to live and provide a blueprint for us to follow, like do what Jesus did and imitate Jesus. He goes there to be the perfect substitute for you and me. For all the times that we, 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 we call it falling into sin, like we tripped and fell or we slipped on the ice and fell, but we know the truth that for all the times we jumped headlong into sin and broke God's law, Jesus' answer is, His life has been accounted in each and every one of those places. For all the times that you and I have lost our patience, Jesus was patient. And God counted His patience and His perfection in place of ours. For all the times of, of lust and lies of theft or bribery, jealousy or coveting, all that filth and dirtiness that we've created, God counts Jesus' perfection in place of that. And how does God bring that home to you? He washes you. That's the power of baptism that we celebrate today. That God did the washing. Now, how could water do such great things? Are you really the Son of God? If you are the Son of God. It's the same accusation, but the promise of God stands true and certain. Just as for Abraham, the promise of God was that Isaac would be the, the ancestor to the Savior. And just as in the person and work of Jesus Christ... The promise of God would be that he was the perfect Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. So also, the promise of God in holy baptism is that this water connected with the Word of God washes away sin, washes away with like divine dawn dish soap, washes away all the dripping ugliness of your sin and mine. Washes away in the water, in the Word, metaphorically and really in the blood of Christ. So that when God looks at you and me, He doesn't see the, the guilt and the shame and the things that we hide. He sees the perfection of Jesus. Not because of your own work or will or decision, but purely for His own goodness. Because that's exactly what we see here. Jesus did it. Jesus carried sin and kept a perfect record against Satan. 
And then all he did was he preached, and he announced, and he said, the kingdom of heaven is here. That God would work through that word to create faith in the Jesus who would go on to the cross and pay for sin completely. And so, you and I today, as far removed from Jesus as, as Abraham was, just on the other side of the coin, you and I today have the same word of God given to us in the sacrament of baptism and the sacrament of Holy Communion. The real, living word of God, which announces to you and to me exactly what Jesus announced as he started to brush that Judean desert dirt off his feet. Repent and believe. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the gospel. The fact that Jesus has done it all and has, and has brought this home to you by washing away your sin and providing a place for you in heaven. And that this applies to people of all nations, whether that's racial background or age Income inequality, it doesn't matter. Jesus, if you are a person, Jesus died for you. His baptism accounts for you. And that sin that we talked about before, the things that we still don't want to admit to ourselves, Jesus died for that too. And thanks be to God. The message of Lent is that Jesus is victorious. He goes to the cross. He goes to be tempted to crush the head of the devil. And this victorious Jesus, this victorious Jesus goes on to announce a gospel, something entirely different from any other and every other human act or religion. Not, not an encouragement to try harder and do more, or an encouragement to forget about it. But the rock-solid, beautiful truth, just as certain as water dripping off a baby's head, your sin has been forgiven. Done. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite you to turn to page 7 and 8 in your service folder. And on pages 7 and 8, you'll find our confession of faith for today from Luther's explanation of holy baptism from his small catechism. Page 7. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is water used by God's command and connected with God's word. Which is that word of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. What does baptism do for us? Baptism works forgiveness of sins, delivers from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this, as the words and promises of God declare. What are these words and promises of God? Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Mark, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. How can water do such great things? It is certainly not the water that does such things, 
of God's word, which is in with the water, and faith which trusts his word to be with the water. For without God's word, the water is just plain water and not baptism. But with this word, it is baptism, that is, the gracious water of life, and the washing of rebirth by the Holy Spirit. Where is this written? St. Paul says in Titus chapter 3, God saves us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. What does baptizing with water mean? Baptism means that the old Adam in us should be drowned by Gideon's intrusion and repentance, and that all his evil deeds and desires be put to death. It also means that a new person should daily arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Where is this written? St. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, we were buried with Christ through baptism into death, in order that us as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in life. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering. I encourage you to also take a look at that purple sheet in your pew rack. Continue on page 32 in the front part of your red hymnal with a responsive prayer of the church. Please rise. Page 32. Gracious God and Father, we praise you for the countless blessings which we receive from your hand the beauties of creation and the bounties of the earth, the joy of life and the pleasure of friendship, the good of work and the gift of rest, the privilege to share happiness and sorrow with one another. Above all, we praise and thank you for your saving word and for your Son's body and blood which you give us to eat and to drink in this sacrament. 
through these means of grace, you send the Holy Spirit into our hearts and unite us to Jesus and to the whole Christian church on earth. Great God and Lord, without your continuing help, we easily waver in our faith, lose courage, and grow careless in our watchfulness. The times and days are perilous. Give us strength to face the evils of each day with fresh confidence. Open our lips to speak of your grace, and move us to use the gifts that you give us to share your word of salvation with all people. Protect and prosper the family, the school, the government, and all good institutions that you have established for the benefit of society. Remember and mercy those who are sick and suffering, and bring your healing to troubled homes and lives. Move us to pray for those in need, and to help them with deeds of And we thank you, Father, for the gift of life, and for your power and promises that preserve life. We thank you still more for having sent Jesus to adopt this child Gideon into your family, and for sending the Spirit in baptism to renew your image in Him. Make the parents models of your love. Make your church a fellowship of encouragement and admonition to foster growth and godliness in Gideon. We ask this in the name of Jesus, who welcomes little children. Now hear us, Lord, as we bring you our private petitions. Now, eternal God and Father, keep us in the saving faith, and so enable us to overcome all things through our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In love he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He made his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and thanks and honor and glory forever and ever. Jesus Christ in the night who was betrayed took bread, and 
when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. churches are invited forward to join us in Holy Communion. If this does not describe you today, I ask that you kindly remain in your pew and observe. You may join us in the hymn that is sung and printed in your worship folder. This is certainly not a judgment on your Christian faith, although it is in keeping with our Lord's instructions about this sacrament. If you have any questions about this biblical and ancient practice of the church, feel free to speak to me after the service.
song of thanksgiving i direct you to hymn number 316 it can be found on the purple sheet in your pew rack please rise which have praised you here may glorify you in the world, 
that the eyes which have seen the coming of your Son may long for his coming again, and that all who have received in his true body and blood the pledge of your forgiveness may be restored to live a new and holy life through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. You may be seated for our final hymn as printed in your service folder.
morning once again. Special welcome to the guests worshiping with us today. I try to keep my announcements to three. Uh, the first one um, is everybody is welcome to join us at the Pizza Ranch about 12 noon to continue the celebration of Gideon's baptism, which happened back in December. Um, and if you're looking for a place to hang out until then, we've got Bible study. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our look at the flood. Um, the second announcement, I don't know if anybody... Uh, I don't think I've ever met an organist less than a week out from foot surgery who would then sit back at the bench and play for a room full of people. Um, Isaiah is, I want to say, a sophomore in high school. Maybe I'm getting that wrong. Sophomore, excellent. And uh, he's obviously quite competent. And finally, um, in order to make a bulletin like this, the number of pages has to be divisible by four. I had one extra. So I packed in three other pages of extraneous stuff for you to read if you are so inclined. God bless you. Jerusalem, the golden. Thanks for listening to Green Pastures with Jesus, the audio home of Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church of Fairmont, Minnesota. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our website, www.shepherdofthelakes.net. Pass that along to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section at our website for previous podcasts. You can find us 9.30 a.m. Sunday mornings at 323 East 1st Street in Fairmont, just up the hill from Richard's Towing. Any questions, contact me, Pastor Hagen, 507-236-9572. God bless your day.